Welcome to the Scale Model Podcast. In this podcast, we aim to entertain, inform, and promote the hobby of scale model kit building with interviews, reviews, and news about the hobby. The podcast is available bi-weekly where your favorite podcasts are found, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can also get it from our website at scalemodelpodcast.com, where you can find show notes, photo gallery, and so much more. You can also subscribe to get notifications on all our updates, new episodes, and video content. Please support the Scale Model Podcast on Patreon. Patreon supporters enjoy early access to content and exclusive contests. Your Patreon support helps us to offset hosting and other costs to bring the podcast to you. Welcome to episode 102 of the Scale Model Podcast, sponsored by Cult TV Man, Sean's Custom Model Tools, and Return to Kit Form. My name is Stuart Clark, and I am once again joined by my regular partners in crime. First of all, from west of Chicagoland, where I don't even know if the frost is flying yet, but possibly, Mr. Terry Measley. Good evening, Stuart. Good evening, Jeff. And then, of course, from the north shore of Lake Erie, where I'm sure the frost did fly last night, because I had some in my neck of the woods, Mr. Jeff Hayland, how are you, sir? Good evening, Stuart. Good evening, Terry. Did you get frost? <laughs> uh, we didn't get frost, but definitely the trees yellowed up and redded up a bit more yesterday yeah. than, than before. So it, it was cold. It was cold, I think. Yeah. We did have fires on the weekend. We had the whole family down for a pre-Canadian Thanksgiving because a uh, good half of them won't be able to come next weekend. That's right. And, and, it was and then lots of fires. Lots of fires. Good, good. And your mother's doing much better? Yeah. Did she make it down? Good. No, no. She, she, uh, she's not comfortable sitting two hours in a car yet. Okay. So. All right. Well, good, you know. Eventually, eventually. Yeah. And Terry, okay. And Terry, I'm sure all the puppies are looking forward to the colder weather. They're all doing much better in the cool. Even yeah. um, Kai, who is, I don't know, Kai's not doing great. Oh, poor thing. Poor thing. Yeah. We'll keep our but, fingers but crossed. A little cool definitely makes it better. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get started. Lots of news. An absolute ton of shows on the weekend couple of big ones and then i see some of our friends all around particularly around north america there was a bunch of different shows going on uh we're gonna start out with the all japan model and hobby show it managed to have its uh appearance again after covid uh so a website called pre messy studio had an absolute ton of pictures um there um, and again, we're going to have the links. So this, this basically is all sorts of hobbies, not just model kits, radio control, all sorts of cool things. But often the major brands will uh, do announcements. And uh, Tamiya did. Tamiya, as always, uh, they kinda, they're kind of they really good at keeping things under wraps. So they announced an all-new scale, all-new t- tooling of the Lockheed F-35A Lightning II. And this is in 148 scale. And uh, this is actually very nice looking. It includes decals for all the major uh, services that are currently running it, except for Canada, because we're not running it yet. comes with nine marking options, U.S. Air Force, Jap- Japan, Norway, uh, Denmark, Australia, Israel, Italian, Republic of Korea, and the Netherlands Air Force. And also there's a drag chute fairing component, which is included only for the Royal Norwegian Air Force model. So I didn't know they had that. Comes with your canopy masking uh, stickers, uh, very 
realistic uh, molding, including uh, engine bay, um, realistically depicted radar observant material, the RAM sections. Of course, there's already a lot of debate on the internet if it's realistic as well. Well, you know, we've got some people we know uh, out of Australia that have actually worked on these things, and they seem to be pretty happy with it. And of course, one of three ordnance patterns, stealth mode, air-to-air mode, or beast beast mode. So it's going to come with all the ordnance. This is looks like a damn nice-looking kit in that scale. What do you think, gentlemen? It it really does. I um, Everyone I've seen comment who's actually held it says the RAM looks fantastic. You actually right. have to see it with a, you know, like I say, a little bit of, a little bit of paint on it, apparently to, for it to really pop, which mm-hmm. is probably absolutely in scale and absolutely yeah. right. I agree. I, I guess out in Orange County, they had Orange Con and Tamiya USA had a couple of sample ones there and some people were, were definitely going, going through it. Um, Jeff, any comments from you? Well, I'm not a huge fan of the Lightning II or any of these, the more modern jets. I mm-hmm. just, I, I'm not a big gray guy, but, uh, uh, just looking at the kit itself, uh, the standpoint, it's Tamiya. <laughs> it's Tamiya. You can't go wrong. I know they're going to sell a billion of them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if I was going to build one of these things, this would be the one I would build. Uh, well, I know, I know a Tallery had one and they were, they were basically, Tamiya was taking the Atalari mold and selling it in the Japanese market. Um, but they also would show up in North America and that fooled a few people because people thought they were getting a Tamiya and they didn't see the Italy. But no, this one's an all new mold, 100% brand new tooling. So I'm um, just going through some of the other pictures from the model show. Uh, definitely Platt's Hobby has some cool things from some Japanese anime, like near n- near future aircraft. The Japanese FA-27C and the uh, FRX-00. looks like something out of Macross. Uh, there's, yeah. some, there's some cool stuff there. Just, yeah, there's always some amazing things. And you see how popular this show is by the crowds that show up to this. And just, you know, again, our hobby is doing very, very well. You've got the RC side, some pretty cool paint lines for the Gundams. I'm sure Mr. Anthony Goodman will be excited about that. Yeah, the, the photos are in no particular order, so it's going to no, be... No, they're not. But... You see um, Great Wall Hobbies releasing a new A-10 yep. next year. Yep. We see that. So a bunch of pretty cool things. So definitely worth a look. Um, so that was out of Japan. And then out of the Czech Republic, Edward does a big show, and they called it E-Day 2022. Um, and again, a ton of amazing pictures out of there. It's held in a uh, armor museum. Um, so some of the pictures I've included from them, from Edward show a lot of the stuff behind the scenes. I did want to point out the, uh, what is it? The HPH stand. Uh, they did have their 148 scale Dornier X from HPH. We've talked about this monster before. Um, so I threw a separate link and they actually had it at the show. Um, and yeah, again, another candidate for the, where the heck do you put it? So if you mm-hmm. want it, it says that, that, uh, once they get 20 orders, they will make it. It's all yep. handmade, yeah. fiberglass, and all good stuff. There you go, Jeff. Get your order. Get your credit card ready. It's just massive, this thing. It's yeah. massive. Beautiful yeah. looking kit, though. Like I said, you can't, if you're a fan, you know, it's probably one that you're going to give some serious, serious consideration to. And they got a lot of cool stuff at their booth. But yeah, they had a lot of, uh, 
lot of exciting things. They did demos there and, uh, you know, they had some uh, stuff outside in the museum. And so it's a really, it's a really good day. They even, you know, had some radio control stuff and aircraft flying over, stuff like that. So Edward puts on a good show. I've heard very good things about it. So definitely some, some good ones to check out. And as always, there were shows all across the U.S., uh, so, okay. Then we had the mailbag, uh, Terry, you, 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 you actually read this email. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. We got a, we got a couple in, uh, Gene Davis, who's doing that, um, firebird conversion, well, not conversion, but accessories, uh, page there on the Facebook, um, sent a correction. I apparently said the kit was one twelfth scale. It is actually one eighth scale. Thanks, wow. Oh. I'm really human. And sometimes Jeff makes mistakes. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. That's what it Sometimes. Is. <laughs> One eighth. We um, definitely have to get our hands on that. Yeah, we, we had uh, talked about uh, Quinta Studio. Quinta Studio is a Russian-based company, uh, not yeah. Ukrainian. Yeah, yeah, I think we have changed that a few times. So, yeah, they are yeah. based in Russia. Well, we did that. I mean, it was, it was good that we got the email, but we actually did know that because uh, we talked about that after we stopped recording. We didn't go back to correct it. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what's new and exciting? Okay, so, you know, Border Models, they released the Wingnut Wings Lancaster in 132nd, and they're copying Hong Kong models. They're now going to release one with just the nose. Now, the I, Lancaster recall you, I recall, Stuart, that you at one point said, oh, you yeah. know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get the full I one, wouldn't get this, but I would, certainly, I would certainly look at one of these two because they would fit, and this is very attractive looking. I'm just, I, I'm just kind of reading through. It doesn't have the clear side, I don't believe. That's no, it my does. Only, I, it does have the clear side. Okay, just want to make what sure. What I read was it has the clear side. Well, hopefully, because you know that would that would be a showstopper where the other one does. Um, so yeah. two nice, nice things. We've got a, a colleague in our club building the other, the Hong Kong model. He got it as a prize, the full, the full Lancaster kit. And it's huge. Um, so yeah, this is something if you definitely uh, if you don't think you can uh, do do the monster from there, uh, then definitely look at look at this one from Border. And again, this is based on the Wingnut Wings kit. So yeah. another another one which I thought would get more attention, but I, I it has slowly. But from the Phantom builders, people who like the F four, Mung's come out with a F four G Phantom Wild Weasel, and uh, this is one of the last Phantoms I ever saw in the flesh at the air show before they were retired in the U.S. And again, forty eight scale. This is this is a gorgeous looking kit uh, with a lot of ordnance options. And for people who don't know, Wild Weasels, its job is to go in and take out the enemy uh, SAM and radar sites. So what it does is it, 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 it goes in, it does, the, it does the equivalent of going, hey, hey, I'm right here, you know, and the radar kind of locks on, and then it fires a, a, a weapon back right down the radar's throat. The only problem is usually when the radar locks on, usually at that point it's followed very closely by, an, by a surface-to-air missile out to kill you. So, you know, the idea is you got to try and, you know, time it right, but... This looks nice. You got some slats, you know, movable, adjustable leading edge slats, a lot of different options, vertical tip antenna, uh, and ACM pods, you know, harm missiles, all that good stuff. So, you know, air brakes. Go ahead. I was going to say, it'll be interesting to compare this to the, the recent um, Tamiya 
phantom. Oh, it's not yeah. a wide wild weasel, but it'll be interesting. No, this is the this is the G, and you got the full beast mode. Um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be available in October. And I know there'll be I know even in our own club, I know there's a few people that will jump on this. There's a lot of guys who still enjoy phantoms. So oh yeah, this this will be it's fun. A pretty, it's a pretty iconic shape. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. I, I I just love it. Okay, so next up, you know, we mentioned the Apache. Um, Tacom's doing the Apache D longbow and the E model. Um, guardian i couldn't resist when i when i posted this i said oh something for the rivet counters and then here i have more details <laughs> of tacom's apache surfaces i just want to make sure I, I mentioned that um so they're talking about the number of rivets they have on this thing i am not kidding they're talking yep. about the number of rivets and how accurate it's going to be so and you know i haven't looked but you know someone's going to find something but this is, a, if you're a helicopter guy and you like the H-64, yeah, so apparently about 40,000 rivets correspond to the real Apache. Um, um, I want to wait for someone to count them. I'm just just saying. Um, but this looks very nice. Um, if you're a helicopter guy, this is going to be a must-have. Uh, you know, counting, counting the rivets doesn't sound like a complete waste of time at all, does it? No, 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 not at all. But you know, someone's going to, and then someone's going to say, wait, this one's 0.3 millimeters to scale out or something yeah, like everybody that. Everybody else but will say, who the hell cares? Hell cares. This is a nice looking kit though. Like, you know, they've got a lot of, you can see it's in the, yeah, yeah, in the, in the pictures, they show real world and then how it looks on the kit. And, mm -hmm. uh, it's an interesting way they phrase this statement. About 40,000 rivets on the model correspond to the real Apache. Because they want to see... 40,000 well, and the other or less. Don't? Or less. <laughs> but no, they want to see if anyone actually counts. And if they're accurate, then they'll tell you. Oh, my gosh. I know. I know. That's At least that's the way I'm interpreting it. So, yeah, exactly. Okay, our good friend Special Hobby and uh, CMK. They also have some neat things. You never know what they're going to come out with. How about this uh, bomber trainer, the Aero C3B, the Czechoslovak bomber trainer? What a funny-looking design, but kind of cool in its own way. It is interesting. It definitely looks underpowered with those those engines. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It but, does uh, look a little small for that airframe. Yeah. Full-on kit air crew. This was done in 1948. Um, so yeah, they had to design this afterwards. So yeah, yeah. kind of neat. And then you've got the Mirage three, the CJ version, one seventy second version. This is the one the Israelis flew for air superiority. I must, I must admit, I have a bit of a crush on the Mirage. That is just an yeah. absolutely beautiful thing. Beautiful aircraft. A couple of looks different like uh, canopies. Looks like all the paper airplanes I ever flew as a kid. You know? <laughs> yep. Uh, let's see here. Uh, markings for four Israeli Air Force machines. So that's kind of nice. Mm. Also, a black mirage completely covered in suit from an explosion of an Arab jet had just shot down. So he was pretty close when that happened. Uh, then they've got a 172nd scale uh, JU 87 Stuka Anton in Luftwaffe service. This was the, the one that was in the. Yeah. Yep in the Spanish civil war. And you see, you had the fairings there, right? Which were later removed yes. around the landing gear. Yeah. Yeah. And then they've got some masks for the Mirage three C, uh, the one for the bomber we just talked about. And then we have RAF whirlwind fighter pilot for the 32nd scale whirlwind. 
that they released. Uh, but you can use it for other other aircraft. It's a standing pilot. Looks quite good. Has some uh, small photoetch of etches for the belts and that. Uh, looks like also in 148 scale. They've also got some Bowfighter Mark One or Mark Six early wheel uh, main wheels for the Bowfighter. Some tracks, transport box with some Ponzerfosts. With even decals that say Ponzerfoss, so you know what you're, what's in the <laughs> box, so you're opening. Ooh, what's this? An L4 Grasshopper engine for the O170. I like it. That looks really nice. Yeah, 3D printed. Very yeah, fine one. Cool. Oh yeah, and they show it on the kit. Yeah, that does look nice, doesn't it? It's great. This set replaces a canceled resin set. Yeah, and they say oh, substantially better detail and easier assembly. Yeah. How about a Ponzerfoss three modern recoilless anti tank weapon? which are also found in use these days in Ukraine in their heroic effort to battle the invading Russian army. They're not being biased, <laughs> are they? Not at all. Yeah. That's very nice. So our good friends at Special Hobbies, carry on, gentlemen. All right. A uh, couple of fun things I found. We should mention our good friend, Brett, at Return to Kit Form. He is introducing a... He is basically taking a new cast from the original pattern from John Moscato. And if he can get, I believe, 10 orders, this mm -hmm. is the 172nd scale Dean Fender Destroid. Um, this is also known in the Battletech world, if I recall, as the Archer. I may no, be this, mistaken. This was the Rifleman. The Rifleman. I'm sorry. You're absolutely correct, Terry. Thank you. Um, a very cool looking mech. So this yep. was originally released in 2007 by Moscato. Uh, the full resin kit comes with water slide details, full color instructions, uh, measures approximately 17 centimeters from the original pattern and not a recast. Um, so the, yeah, they want 10 orders. So if you're interested, do contact Return to Kit Form. Because uh, this is going to be a nice, this is a nice looking kit. I'm building one of the plastic ones now. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm actually building the Warhammer right now, and it's nice in that. It's a good size, so this will be nice. If this thing ever fell over, how would it ever get back up again? Um, it points Gyros. its gun towards the ground and shoots. <laughs> Gyros. Gyros, yeah. It points its gun yeah, towards yeah. Gyros, the ground Gyros. and shoots. Gyros, Gyros. Or it gets help. It has help. Just because the know, driver eats, eats, so that's what he eats for lunch doesn't mean he's going to get him off the ground. Anyway, well, whatever. I know, but you know what? <laughs> Excellent anti-aircraft, anti-airborne weapon. You got the little radar on top. Fun, fun little kit. Very popular one in the wargaming world. If I recall, those were, I think they were either auto cannon 10s or 20s. Do you remember, Terry, from fives. the game? Four fives. Yeah, four fives for they see see yep. look, 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 look how many remembers this stuff, Jeff. <laughs> I played a lot of original. I know, me, 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 me too. And you think I'd remember that? I can probably yeah, was, tell you the was, Mad Cats. That was that was case. That was a second generation. That was not yeah, the generation, second generation. Much, yeah, yeah. But no, this one's a nice one. So yeah, do do definitely check that out from uh, Brett, who's also our sponsor. Now this one I found because Fantastic Plastics been releasing some new stuff. And uh, this is great. I'd never heard of this. This is the Saab LX. This was a Swedish jet interceptor concept in 1941. Yes, you heard me correctly, 1941. So they filed a proposal for a jet-powered interceptor, be dubbed the LX. The single-seat crack delta-wing aircraft would be powered by two turbojets with liquid fuel 
rockets for takeoff and deceleration. Yes, it had a nose-mounted retro rocket. It oh. carried 12 in internal, not internet, photocell-guided rockets. Uh, Radical for its time remained a paper project. Well, now you can get one in resin in one seventy-second. Is that not the be, coolest thing? To be fair, it's it's radical for our time, let alone. Oh yeah, time. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah exactly. You know the, the the retro in the nose. Like you know, if you want to stop quickly, who needs who needs arrestor cables? You know, yeah, who needs like eighteen Gs going in the wrong direction? You know, that'll be fine. You know, hey, yeah, hey, if they ever build an aircraft carrier, sorry, go ahead, Terry. Yeah, he's ex he's distributing Unicraft stuff. I didn't know that. Yes, they have yes. some wild designs. If you I know, scroll that's, down through that catalog, yeah, they have some. They've got some wild stuff. Yeah, they got some really cool stuff. The Flying Disc Project, the Stradjagler, the Boeing Bird of Prey. That one I always liked. Yeah, you know, the Boat and Paul in Bristol. Yeah, I know some. I know a few people who would who would like that. Uh, yeah, all sorts of very very cool stuff. Look at that Bristol P two seventeen. I know the alternate Harrier. It was uh, it was a mock up they did. I remember I remember reading about that. Yeah, yeah. This was there. They had four side mounted ventral fans and a very sh small set of dorsal mounted swept backed wings. Now. Did you know what the cat? You, do you know what the Harrier's original name was called from the project? Without looking, Castro. yep, very good. <laughs> I got yeah, a this... bit of it. From, yeah, from your statement, you said you said cat. I know. I started to. I know that was my fault. Damn it! Um, but yeah, ah. that's all right. Some pretty cool stuff here in the what if. Yeah, I I know Terry's having a look and he's saying hmm. Oh man, yeah. this is a rabbit hole. I did not know it, there are yeah. so many. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of cool concept aircraft here. And yeah, this is a major rabbit hole for both of you. I oh, hate to my tell God. you. Yeah, you want me to the pause Lippisch. the recording for a minute so you guys can wipe the drool <laughs> off your microphones? The Lippish Combat Aerodyne. That is a weird monster. That was yeah. fun. The Vought the Vought Jet Skimmer right at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of goodies there. So, okay. All right. We'll move on. All right. All right. We'll move right. on. Okay. Um, round two. Uh, they have a lot of new tooling. And in fact, coming up, we have an interview with one of the staff members there. So, uh, I'm just going to, you know, just a lot of different things, whether it's die cast or models, they're always coming out with a pile of new things. So, stay tuned because we're going to have an interview uh, coming up very soon, all about, all about round two. All right, and then we have from HPH. You know, I mentioned this already, but yeah, you know, I, here I moved we go. Them down here, that's all. Yep the uh, the Dornier Ten X machine, almost ready for sale. Fiberglass with resin parts. They start production after twenty. One to the Get forty. Yeah, you can. Yeah, look at the size of it compared to the camera they have there. <laughs> That'll incredible. give you an idea. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff. Jeff, you may have to make a slightly wider shelf. Stuart, I haven't even started my uh, my Felix though yet. I know. I'm saying so. This will be next, right? No hope. No hope. <laughs> we got to do it because you know, you know, I won't be surprised if they have twenty sold. You know, so you know what? Like, I, I I don't know where I saw it, but it was probably just doom scrolling Facebook today. But somebody in one of the modeling forums today. What was the sister ship of the Titanic? The Britannic or something? The Britannic or the Olympic? Someone's yeah. done, yeah. I think someone's done one on the on the bot on the ocean bottom. Mm. I think it was Britannic. No, I think I saw that one, post. The one that I saw today was done in dazzle camouflage. Oh, okay. Like World War One dazzle camouflage. 
Mm-hmm. It looked fantastic. If I was going to make a Titanic, that's what I would paint it as. Yep. Just, anyway, never mind. That was off topic. That's okay. No, hey, we specialize in off topic off topic here at the Scale Model look at Podcast. This, you know, look at the, I'm looking at this picture of the AT-AT, the AT-AT for, yeah. for round two. The first picture of it, I looked at it and I thought it was pooping because I thought little piles of things around it on the bottom. And I look we, closer and those, they're snow speeders. <laughs> well, that's after it's toilet trained. No it takes kidding. a while. It takes a while, yeah. Snow speeders and some little um and some little guns. Yeah. Yeah, it comes it. with two snow speeders and two laser turrets. So yeah, you can do your di- 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 diorama on that. So yeah, exactly. Always and cool you, things there. And if you say turrets really fast, it sounds like what I thought I was looking at. Little turrets, yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> We also put down there the A10 from uh, Great Wall Hobbies we talked about. Yep. Okay, what's new at Skillmates? Otherwise otherwise titled Jeff saying, this is neat. No, I found a whole new rabbit hole. A whole new rabbit hole. I'm going to go back to that after the week. Oh, a lot out. of them are here on Skillmates too, I'm just saying. So, looks like Arena Models has just announced uh, some coming soon in 143rd scale. A lot of Porsches. Racing Porsches, a Ferrari, Racing Ferrari 308. A couple of them, 308 GTB. Like uh, what some else? Rally cars. Some rally yeah. cars. Nice looking more. Oh, Mega Man. Mega Man Battle Network. Some high grade Gundams. Uh, Black Cat Models is coming out in one three fiftieth. An LCS Landing Craft Support Large. More from Arena. They're really doing the classic stuff, aren't they? Oh, here we go. Russian buses, Ukrainian buses, AVD models. 143rd. I saw those. Yeah, there you go. Even a, even a streetcar. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Games Workshop stuff. The Junkers EF109. So this was like a... Yeah. That's kind of wild, eh? It's like a twin Mustang minus minus the cockpit. Um, What the heck is this? LMHW9X8. That looks pretty wild. What 124 a, scale? It's a car. It looks like an IMSA uh, car. It says it's a Peugeot 9X8. Interesting. And then, of course, we have the T46 Eaglet. Yeah, from, those are pretty cool. Yeah, they're pretty it, it cool. Never went anywhere, but that's pretty cool. Right. That was Rain. the uh, that was one of the ones they were possibly looking at as an A10, either a replacement or an alternate. Uh, no, it was for no? that uh, for the other light attack. Short right, right. Yeah. Okay. I do remember that now. Uh, what else we got here? Ray Harryhausen, the mirror. Yep. 135 scale scope dogs. Yep, and then the per- Percival P50C prints. I know someone in our group that would like that from Valium. Valium, home of fine quality fitting kits. I have a I have a Spitfire from them now. I got it at the Brofdale stash just because mm-hmm. it was a mark I didn't. It was a good price. My God, you should see the inside molding. It's pretty scary. I showed the guys on the call last last Wednesday, and yeah, it's pretty frightening. I'm just looking at this B2A Spirit in 148 scale by Titan Model Kits. That'll be a that's, pretty good size kit. Yeah, that's going to be a monster. Moscato's uh, Dragon made it on yep. their list. It made it there. Um, don't forget, we've released to our YouTube channel. Uh, Terry and Anthony do a uh, inbox review and all the stuff of the parts because they both they both picked p- picked one up each. 
Yep. So definitely, uh, definitely check it out on the YouTube channel. I'll put a link in later, later on. Again, lots more Gundams. I, this is the one I thought Jeff would be all over. The Sanders Row, just uh, down yep. at the bottom end of the 24th. The Sanders Row SRA-1, the world's first jet-powered flying boat. Yep. That's got to go. I got to get that to go with my sea dart. I, I agree. I totally agree. I thought of you when I saw that one. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So definitely a lot of cool things. So definitely, uh, definitely keep, keep checking out, checking out what's there. Oh, more of the classic rocket ships. They have sky flash Gordon, sky flash. And mm. from the classic series, space patrol, the Space Patrol Terra 5 from 1 to 288 scale. So from Fantastic very, Plastic. From Fantastic. Again, they're just, you know, if I had an unlimited credit card, they'd be getting a big a big chunk of it this month, let me tell you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's about it for now. So from our friends at Scalemates. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to another fantastic place, and that, of course, is Cult TV Man. And here we go talking a bit about them. Lots of stuff going on at Cult TV Man or CultTVManShop.com. They're actually down in Orlando this week, Steve and the gang. October 7th to 9th at the Wyndham Center in Kissimmee, Orlando. Looks like a great show at the time I'm recording this Saturday morning. They've just set up and they've got lots of goodies down there. So uh, hopefully they have a good show. Lots of stuff still happening. They're going to continue to ship orders while they're there. Uh, they've got a ton of restocks from Aztec Dummies. Uh, all sorts of goodies there. We're talking uh, the Big Hawk uh, from Space 1999, the paint mask, the Grissom paint mask, EVA pods, uh, the K-Cruiser, Clown of Crime, the Franklin 1350th, pretty well any of the uh, paint masks that you'd be looking for from Aztec Dummies for your sci-fi stuff. Check them out. Also a ton of uh, vintage kits. Uh, they've got a Katinga D7 from uh, Star Trek uh, 6. It's an AMT open box. They've got the International Space Station from Ravel, a 2000 release. I may have to have a look at that one. The classic Klingon D7 from AMT, the Shuttle Galileo, all sorts of really cool stuff. Check them out as well. Also from our friends at Paragraphics, they've restocked the Ares Passenger Cabin graphics, the Starship Bridge detail, the Pegasus Exterior detail set, and lots more. Also, you can a couple of pre-orders this week. You can pre-order the Phantom Menace N1 Naboo Starfighter in 148th from round two AMT, uh, $29.99. That's a pre-order reservation. You save a couple of dollars there. And also the classic 1966 Batmeal with a Catwoman and Penguin Fingers, 124th from round two in Polar Lights, uh, $37.99 on the pre-order. And again, you save a couple of dollars there. So check that all out at Cult TV shop.com and tell them the scale model podcast sent you all right and we're back and now we got the special guest in the interview and you know what i'm not even going to tease it i'm just going to go right in the right into the interview and uh terry's terry uh roll in the, the interview tape. introduces our thing yeah roll the tape welcome back to the scale model podcast interview and tonight our i'm, I'm going to start calling terry measley our official booker because he manages to find these awesome people take it away terry mostly they're people i know via wonderfest so there we go that's all right uh, tonight we've got jamie hood he's one of the model kit brand managers for round two um round two llc uh in this role uh he's uh, best compared to a vaudevillian plate spinner 
concentrates mostly in their sci-fi and pop culture categories. Uh, he works on their product from ideation and planning to guiding details of each kit through designing packaging, decals, and instructions. He's a lifelong fan of comic books, superheroes, sci-fi movies, and all that good geeky stuff. So welcome, Jamie. Hey, thanks for having me on. Well, we love having you on. And, you know, a- anyone who likes comic book superhero sci-fi and all that geeky stuff is a friend of ours. So, <laughs> yeah. all right, let's let let's start with the first question. So, you know, this is how we normally start. Now, probably a few, you know, you this won't surprise you. Give us a brief history of both your your background and round two. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, round two's origins are, for, for people that have been in the scale model hobby for a while they kind of know the story and probably know it better than i do but uh the story of round two actually goes back into the the 90s to a company called playing manis uh, that was founded by tom Lowe, and uh there he developed uh kind of brought back old brands like johnny lightning and uh a few others and they were dabbling in uh figural uh holiday action figures like Rudolph and Peanuts and things like that Mm -hmm. uh, with their memory lane line. And one of the things that he decided he was going to do was go back and dig out some of the extinct model kits that he enjoyed when he was a kid and retool them and bring them back for today's audiences. And he did that under the Polar Lights brand. And I believe the, the first kit he did was the Adams Family House. So that led to a whole line of, of model kits under the, the Polar Lights brand. Uh, Tom uh, sold or, uh, sold uh, Playing Manus in 2004 or 2005, something like that, to RC2, which would then be obtained by Tomy. And uh, he realized that they weren't taking advantage of all that he had sold them. So he started licensing the brands back and licensing the tooling back and would pay them a fee to produce off of their assets and it got to the point where rc2 kind of threw their hands up and said we'll just sell it all back to you and so <laughs> they they've sold out sold them everything back except for johnny lightning that's the only licensing contract uh we still got but uh as, as part of the deal he got the amt and mpc brands and tooling banks as well so that was a, a huge score for him so we, I started at round two in 2006, uh, right at the end of the year. It, I was maybe like the fifth or sixth employee, full-time employee. Uh, and it was pretty much just Tom, a, a, a clerical person, and three people in the product development department working on uh, slot car. He was, he was working on slot car tracks. Uh, holiday figurines, the, the peanuts and Rudolph stuff, and was just getting into uh, Frosty the Snowman. So I was actually brought in board to work on that and help uh, do like uh, turnaround drawings, control drawings for the Frosty the Snowman uh, line of figures. And I, I helped out with everything else they had going on. Uh, skip ahead to 2008, and that's the time when he started licensing the Molokit brands from RC2. And that's kind of when we stuck our toe in a little bit. and. Almost from the beginning, we it was we were too successful to keep up with. Uh, in that, um, we kind of put a feeler out to I think it was Hobby Lobby and said we're we're taking over these brands. We're going to offer kits, and they're like, okay, we need kits on this date, and we we're like, well, we got to get going. 
<laughs> and that's that's kind of we've been playing catch up ever since. That's great. Let me uh, list off the the brands for our listeners who aren't gonna look at that. But it's AMT and MPC, as you said, Polar Lights, Hawk and Lindbergh, American Muscle, Johnny Lightning. Then in the slot car areas, like Racing Champions, Auto World, Auto World slot cars, Mini Metals. Those are diecast, um, Hot Wheels sized. And, and and larger, yeah. Um, plus knockout and the vintage fuel line, which is like the diecast collectibles, right? Uh, so that's a that's a lot, and there's a lot of vintage stuff in there as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Our, our product development team, uh, I, I'm 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 terribly bad with numbers as a creative. I can't memorize a number other than X Men 136 was the first X Men comic I bought. Uh, uh, but I, I, I think we've got eight or nine uh, creators, uh, creatives in the design room in product development that work on uh, everything day in and day out, and th- that it's split between the, the model kits and the uh, the diecast. Those are the really the two big segments of our business right now. Um, like you said, Johnny Lightning, uh, Auto World. 72nd scale, 164th scale, 118th scale diecast. Uh, and they, they turn out a lot of that stuff. So, mm-hmm. well, cool. I'm curious. Like, obviously, we're, we're more focused on the model kit side of things. Um, did you ha- do you have, or is there is there a kit in the repertoire from the various companies that is the like standalone above everything else, most popular one that you, that's been around? For the longest time, it was the General Lee Dodge Charger. Um, that was our best-selling kit for a long time. Uh, Warner Brothers decided not to license that property anymore. And uh, so with that, we've just been running generic chargers ever since. What is it that um, makes the company decide not to license? It sounds like to me like they're getting paid for it. Why would they? Oh, maybe it was the uh, political issues? Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm sure that's that was at the, yeah. the basis of it. Yeah, yeah. They still air the TV show in reruns, though, so I'm not sure yeah. what they're so embarrassed about. <laughs> well, money does talk, I guess, at some point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we were let down by it. A lot of fans were let down by it too, but it was completely out of our hands. Um, beyond that, uh, some of our uh, muscle cars. We've had a a 1970 and a half. Camaro that has been on our line since the day we started that we still carry. Um, the things like the 18 inch enterprise, uh, we've kept that in constant circulation under different packaging and item numbers since we got in the business. The one three fifty scale refit was one of the first kits we brought back and has never truly been discontinued. We've, we've reboxed it a couple times. Um, but yeah, it's, it's usually going to be either that 18 inch enterprise just because of the, the, the longevity of it or some of our muscle cars probably. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I wondered if the enterprise was probably up there just, it just strikes me as kind of iconic. So you would think it would be, um, well, how big is a, like, and this is just me asking questions. I'm just really curious. How big is a production run? Like to, to make a, a kit economically viable, how many do you have to, produce um i know what the number is i don't want to disclose it oh okay so never mind that it just it, it just let, is interesting let me let I'll, I'll say this on things that are i mean I, I compare it to like the comic book collectible market where i, I they don't tell us what their numbers are either but mm-hmm. we know there are certain titles that don't sell as well 
And I can tell you that, I mean, what would you consider a, a limited edition collector's item? What would be a reasonable number to be called a limited edition? One. I have the only one. That's what they want, right? <laughs> That's extraordinarily limited. Yeah, that would be know, ultra rare. Be more like a thousand or something like that. Yeah. I'm thinking of paintings and things like that. So if the, if there there have been a, a few kits that where we at one point we advertised them as one run of fun we ran them once and that was it mm-hmm. and then there have been other kits that we've run them um, they sold rather slowly and we didn't reorder them and keep them in our 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 lineup and th- let me tell you th- these would be considered collectors items if you knew what the real number was yeah no yeah. other items you know that are popular we're, we're doing you know several several thousand of them mm-hmm. um but uh we kind of i don't know i don't want to really get into like how how we run our reorders and things like that mm-hmm. but we 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 if a, if a kid is popular we're going to keep constantly keep it in production so when we're see see we're running low on inventory we, we usually have another order coming in in process or coming already cool cool you mentioned um that uh, when the, when the original owner bought the company back basically bought most of it back he picked up uh was it am amt and mpc mm-hmm. that must have been a pretty huge load of molds yeah uh, most uh, most of the molds were in uh china already uh some of them were still in storage in dyersville iowa and what was left there has been transferred to our warehouse in, uh, in south bend and since then we've shipped some of those to uh, either to China or we've had um, two factories we've dealt with here in the U.S. where um, if we think we, we don't want to pay the expense of shipping all the way to China, we, we've run them there. At, mm. uh, we were in Kalkaska, Michigan. Now we have a production plant in Chicago, Illinois. So actually, speaking of molds, because that was a question I was going to have, uh, you know, obviously we're talking about some legacy brands and kits. What shape are the uh, molds generally in? And are there any issues with sometimes when you resurrect a vintage kit and what, what are some of the processes you have to go through? Like do you sometimes have to come up with something new if a part of a mold is missing or a sprue tree or something like that? Sure. So it, every kit is kind of its own unique thing. Um, I, I deal with this a lot less than um, John Grigzula, who kind of manages our automotive line. With things like the sci-fi kits, Star, Star Trek specifically, most of the parts are on one or two tools. Like you'll have two opaque plastic tools and then the clear sprue. So you have three tools total. With John, uh the the car kits were engineered with inserts so that certain ins- inserts could be swapped out to create different iterations of of these vehicles and sometimes inserts have gotten lost sometimes they're mislabeled just mishandled um if a if a tool just isn't sealed up correctly moisture gets in it and it's just it's all rust when you open it up and that's a surprise when when that happens um there can be pitting, you know, spots of rust that have to be cleaned up, all that kind of stuff. Um, I would say for the for the most part, the the tools have been stored properly and are in general decent running order. Um, 
to a certain extent. There, there are some kits that, uh, like say our, uh, I know our tanker, our um, big rig tanker, our trailer. We were running that a few years ago with it was chromed, and I know that like there's something really wonky about how that tool was set up that it became uh, hard to run to the point that we I don't believe we even use it anymore. We may or may not. I, I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, they're just depending on how a mold is engineered, there can be just inerrant problems. Um, we ran into a, a case with a with a Lindbergh kit where. We had not run it previously. We were we just opened the tool and ran it in Chicago, and found that the the way the way that the tooling is weighted as far as distribution of plastic to from one side of the, the tool to the other, uh, that they basically had to run it twice: run one side, then run the other side, because one <laughs> injection would not get plastic to both sides Oopsie. equally without excess flash on one side or the other. Oopsie! <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So there, we have pleasant surprises, but more often than not, there's some <laughs> unexpected nightmare involved. Go I ahead. A, I, had a, I had a question to, related to your comment about flash, and and um, something I've never quite understood. Like, I know that as as molds get used over and over and over again, they get something something wears them out. What is it that does that, and and what is it that causes the flash? I, I can't honestly say because basically I, I tell the factory, you've got flash here, go fix it. And then they go fix it. <laughs> um, I mean, I like flash, I like flash is caused by, because the two halves of the mold are not staying together under the pressure of injection. Right. So, um, and there can be any number of things wrong. They, they could just not be shimmed correctly. Um, the inserts aren't shimmed correctly. Um, it could be, too much pressure uh, when they're injected. Um, it could be just a bad mold engineering where, you know, the plastic has to follow a weird path and it's just hard to get to the outskirts of the parts without the inner parts getting too much plastic. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I get it. I get it. So when you're going through a, a, a whole inventory of old molds, you know, some classic molds uh, what what process do you go through to decide which ones you think you want to resurrect yeah well i mean when we're researching the molds again i i've got a much more much easier easier path to deal with than john does um (laughs) with with my stuff i have a basically a list of tools that we've bought but the list is really oddly um, organized. So you really do have to look for what you want to find. And then like you find enterprise C and it tells you what molds are related to that. So I just pull out those mold numbers and we put them in an RFQ, which is a document that records all the information needed to price out a, a kit. Um, with John, Sometimes there was bad record keeping. Um, again, kits have gone through so many different iterations. We don't know which, like what state the tool was left in. Just um, lost everybody. Oh, no, I'm still here. Yeah, we're still here. You blinked, Jeff. You blinked. That's all, Jeff. Can you hear us, Jeff? Jamie can hear you. Jamie can. Yeah, <laughs> I can hear. I can hear us. Just Jeff. 
and see and hear you. Wouldn't be a podcast without issues. <laughs> oh, okay. He's he's probably going to come back. Terry, why don't you go ahead and ask your next question? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, we see a lot of focus on nostalgia and vintage kids, and we we've talked about that recently in a number of the podcasts with a lot of the old molds coming back that we haven't frankly seen in decades. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a decision process behind that, uh, or is it just? Are you guys kind of the same as everybody else? Just kind of think, no, no, this this is pretty geeky. This uh, this might sell well now. I mean, we we kind of have a read on the market and what what everyone's looking and hoping for. Um, it was exciting when when we got the the tooling banks, and along with that came the Star Trek license, and we were able to go back and look and find molds that for whatever reason had never been reissued like the K7 space station. And the, mm-hmm. we thought the Romulan bird of prey was, there was a, a ghost that did not exist anymore, but we just looked through the tooling bank and there it was. So wow, um, awesome. pleasant surprises, um, things like that happen. Um, but yeah, generally we, we kind of have, have a feel for what people are excited about. Um, you know, if, if something ties into something that's, that has some interest in pop culture, you know, at the moment, you know, we're going to lean into that. Um, but we we definitely, from the beginning, we've always strived to really appeal to the sense of, well, that sense of nostalgia, that feeling we had when we were kids, when we popped open a model kit box, saw the part, saw the decal sheet, saw a super colorful package with, you know, excellent illustrations mm-hmm. uh and we've tried to actually make the experience better by improving the kits where we can expanding the decal sheets making sure the the reproduction packaging looks great and not like somebody reproduced an old box <laughs> um, so yeah it, it's it, nostalgia is definitely a driving factor for our success thus far yeah that's that's great i mean especially on the lines of better instructions, better decals, you know, attractive packaging. It all makes a difference. Yeah. Especially decals. Cause if you had a vintage kit from that period, you're, you're, you've got to look for aftermarket stuff because those decals are shot. Right. You know what? That's a good se- se- segue, Terry. Cause I know you I'll mention this one. Cause I know you brought this question up. Do you think aftermarket accessories and conversions help drive demands for some of the kits? Does it drive demand for the kits? It's, a, it's an interesting question. I, I understand where you're coming from. One is definitely tied to the other. Um, I think people, okay, so from our standpoint, from my standpoint specifically, I've come to realize what the limitations are of ingest, injected plastic mm-hmm. and the, the fact that most modelers want to get as as an authentic model as they can possibly manage. And sometimes what we can give them in a box doesn't quite live up to what they need. I, I look at, I look at the modeling market, the scale model hobby, that everybody that, you know, regularly buys from us. Um, and even people that don't, I look at anyone that would buy our kits. I, I, I use a 10, 80, 10 scale. There's the 10% that unless I sat down with them and put them all together for them, 
they will not be able to successfully have a good experience putting Malika together. Mm-hmm. Then there's the 10% that no matter what I put in the box, it's not going to be good enough for them. They're, they're going to have <laughs> secret photos, you know, given to them from some uncle that knew somebody mm-hmm. uh, that knows they know all of it much better than I do. And I'm not giving them what they need. I can't please that 10%. Yeah. Yeah. I concentrate on that middle 80%. So that if it's somebody's first experience to to put together a kit, I want to make it as enjoyable and pain-free a process as possible, whether or not they're just snapping parts together or going ahead and, you know, filling seams and sanding and lighting and painting and decaling a kit, you know, to to make it as close to a replica of, you know, what they've seen on the screen. So when it comes to aftermarket parts, certainly there there's there are things that i would like to get much better than what we do but it's just not possible in either the time constraints we deal with or the production um limitations or the costs involved and so i i i in, in that case i never you know officially handed off but people that want to improve on that and supply that for other people that are that particular um mm-hmm. you know more power to them Cool. Yeah, that was something that came up, uh, especially when, like, I think the thousand scale enterprise kind of really, really lit the fires there because I was doing conversions kits for them where you would, you would have to buy one of the kits to have the engines to have bits and pieces of it, but here's some other bits to turn it into a different ship. Right. And um, the ship it, it was not that expensive. It was actually pretty inexpensive and very good and well engineered mm-hmm. and. You know, it's friends have, you know, uh, shelves full of variants on that thousand scale TOS enterprise just lined up. It's, it's pretty <laughs> fast. It's great to see, really. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was I was happy that I was kind of the first kit that I was able, all new kit that I was able to uh, master to develop was the thousand scale refit. Mm-hmm. That that was at the time my favorite ver- version of the Enterprise. <clears throat> yeah, I've got that one in my stash. Mm-hmm. At some point, I've got to break break it out again. Uh, Terry, you were also uh, ha- had an interesting question about the Grissom. Yeah, yeah, that uh, the newer releases, uh, especially on the Trek stuff, have been just fantastic. You talk about not needing as much, or something that's been built up for uh, designed from the start to be lit. And the Grissom, the new three fiftieth Grissom, has been on people's you know why hasn't this been done list for for ages um and it's it's well received i keep pulling mine out and i've got decals for it that i had made and all this kind of stuff and um you know along with that the lighting kits that are released and everything you know i hope these projects have been successful otherwise well you wouldn't be releasing new ones but uh can you talk about those a little bit yeah, I mean specifically the 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 uh, the Grissom. That's a, a kit that I, I was. I mean, there are certain kits that I put off for a while and then get to just because I I don't feel as good about them because I'm not either not necessarily that I'm not a fan, but I'm just not sure what the market 
is going to bear as far as some some of them and what but they always seem to do well the, i mean the biggest case of that was the space 1999 eagle the, the oh, 22 yeah. inch eagle that yeah I, I was hounded and hounded and hounded to uh to put that out and then we finally did and it, it was a great success so the, uh a kit like a grissom where design wise it's a real departure from the rest of the star trek um you know ship design uh it doesn't rub uh doesn't represent or doesn't visually look like a you know constell or constitution class ship um an enterprise so we i i was always like a little bit leery okay i get the enterprise i get the appeal of you know klingon bird of prey there there are kits that are ships that are cool and i was just like really the grissom yeah you just hear it so often and it gets mentioned you know every time we uh, put a feeler out for like what should we do next so it, it just becomes a, you, I, I just stop avoiding it and and take it on yeah so it's, so so does that mean if i start if i start hounding online about about a nebula class in the same uh, scale as the uh Enterprise D that may come to pass one day because that's still my favorite class. <laughs> I, rather than like you want one in fourteen hundred scale, like the to go with the D that's out now. Yeah, that would be nice. I'd rather, I'd rather or do, do a thousand, thousand scale or do a bigger one. D sure. and, then, and then do a I'll nebula in thousand scale. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out there. So that, that, that's not that's not a tease or anything, but I, no, I've, I've okay. mentioned my strong desire to do that in the past and hopefully we'll get All right, to it good stuff good stuff good stuff see that'll make me happy all right I'd... have there been any have there been, have there been uh, i'm curious jamie have there been any uh, uh rampant demands of you to make something make a kit of something that you really absolutely don't want to do mm -hmm. Is there something that I just don't want to do? You know, see, see, this is the lawyer trying to trying to put you on the spot. I'm just you know, it strikes me that like you got to be getting requests for all different kinds. Yeah, of things, it, I got to imagine, the, and some of them would be like, "Yeah, that's cool," and others would be, "That is never going to sell." The I'm Enterprise like, J. I, I highly doubt I'll do. We'll, we'll do an Enterprise J, <laughs> but enough demand, yeah. Never say never. <laughs> what about a dream project? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what would you love to do, even though you know it probably wouldn't sell? But what would you love to see? Well, I, I like popular stuff, so what I would like to see would sell. Okay, all right. But I, I if if I had a dream project, and I, believe me, I've worked on dream projects already. Mm -hmm. um with the the 66 batmobile was a dream project Ooh, oh yeah the the oh, yeah, uh, yeah 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 I, I, i'm working on the 30 second scale tie fighter right now it's turned out amazing that's a dream nice. project nice but if if i had to name one i'd really like to do is a 70 second scale millennium falcon even though those have been done already i, I want to strike that balance between affordable and detailed enough and not going crazy with all the little pipes and uh -huh, uh -huh. stuff that are involved in some of the, the higher end mm -hmm. um, Millennium Falcon kits. Very cool. So, so yeah, we always yeah. kind of ask these, these questions as well. Um, where do you think the hobby is going to be in five to 10 years? 
Oh, that's just... I know. Well, you know what? It's a question we ask everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so I I think it's still going to be going strong. I think as a um, society, we'll see changes in how we buy things and make things uh, with the, the, the as, as people take on technology like 3D printers, mm-hmm. um, as new generations come along that, you know, research says they want less things, they want experiences, but they don't want to carry around stuff with them. I, I, I see two possibilities of how the model kit hobby or the model making hobby will evolve. Uh, and one is, is going to be uh, rather than buying a box of parts that you buy a file and you print your model at home. And depending on what size you want to make it will, you know, will depend on um, how much assembly is involved. Um, further down the road, I mean, they, they already do uh, full color 3D prints now. So color won't be a problem. You'll, you'll be able to just print the thing you want at the size you want. Mm-hmm. And I know people that like the the craftiness, the the hands-on experience of putting a model together won't be happy with that, and neither am I. But I, I think that's one of the futures that might lie ahead. And the other is uh, instead of having a physical model on a shelf, you have a model in your phone. Or, I mean... I don't know when they're going to stop calling them a phone and call them a personal computer because yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, it really it's, is. It's a computer you, you carry mm-hmm. with you and you, you kind of, you're all but tied to it as it is now. The yeah. phone app, I think, is the least used app on your phone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, wait, so, you mean you mean I can make calls on this thing? You mean <laughs> I can talk to people? On, oh, okay. <laughs> Didn't know that. All right. So, I I mean, depending on your your viewpoint on things like NFTs and things like that, you know, as a collectible Mm -hmm. item, I mean, I I could see, I I mean, early on, it it was always, oh, whatever product you have, you have to have an app to go with it. And it's like, well, we're a model kit brand. What kind of app are we going to make? Well, let's make an app where you twist off the parts in the, on your screen and you can pick the color they're going to be and you move them and place them. And uh, you put your model together in a digital space. That's, I think, that's still a possibility of what this might evolve into. Interesting. But there, there's also always going to be an inherent um, amount of value involved in a job well done, troubleshooting through a project, working with your hands. Um, you know, studying the details and making something look the way you want it to look, um, you know, what the, to pursue the vision in your mind's eye. Um, I, th- I think there's probably none of these technologies are going to replace all of that. Right. So as long as people are, are still, um, you know, makers, uh, builders, problem solvers, I think we'll, we'll, the, Skill model hobby will have a long life. Very cool. I think that that was really well said, uh, Jamie. I think that I, I well, I totally agree with you. With, uh, but to the point about not wanting to have stuff in the next generation and that, um, for me, I think everything you have met, you talked about there are the reasons why I like 
I love this hobby. It's because of the intellectual challenge. It's the, it's the, the dexterity challenge. It's the solving problems as you go along. And if, I don't know about everybody else here, but for me, once the kit is done, once I'm finished with it, once it's got to a level where I can say that is done, I couldn't care less about it anymore. I yeah. guess I want to do the next one. <laughs> it's, it's really the process rather than the end result. And I don't think a lot of people who aren't in this hobby yeah. fully understand yeah. how important that is. It, it's a crafting important. hobby at, at its core. And whether you're you're knitting or crocheting or you're, you're woodworking or even gardening, you're making something that you're enjoying making. And, it's, and part of these are always, it's focus. And that's why it's a therapeutic hobby as well, is because it forces you to ignore mm -hmm. or tangentially ignore the rest of the world and focus on a task. Yeah. And that task is its own reward. Yeah. And my, my wife hates that part. Focus. <laughs> she could be sitting here. She could be sitting in this, in this couch right behind me, and I, she's talking to me. I have no idea what she's talking about. That'll just get you in trouble anyway. I'm just saying. Yep. That can be very, yeah, that can be dangerous once she realizes that. Mm -hmm. She's, you know, yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. So the other question we always ask is, uh, what's currently on, 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 on your bench? Are you working on any kits at home? Uh, I rarely work on kits at home. I should have brought home a test shot um, okay. for a, uh, right, right now. So the next thing that I will assemble will be a second generation test shot of our 14 inch Eagle uh, with the lab pod and spine booster. Nice. So that, that's about the only thing I really get to build. Um, I, rather than building, I'm also an illustrator and a lot of the um, painted box art on our sci-fi kits, I do that as a oh. freelancer at home. Okay, so, cool. Yeah, so instead of building models, I'm illustrating a painting usually. That's awesome. So is there any, I'll yeah, ask you, I'll ask you a follow-up to that. Cool. Uh, yeah. You're a comic book guy. What are you reading now? <laughs> that's a good question too. Um, because I've got a stack a mile, mile high of stuff that I need to get to. And I've got more at the comic shop waiting on me. <laughs> uh, the, Always the, the, way. the, um, the, the current, uh, like new release comic that I'm most interested in, um, uh, or the ones I'm most interested in are, Current run of Thor has been pretty good. The uh, comic uh, published by DC under their Black Label imprint is uh, "Nice House on the Lake," which is kind of a mystery. It's it's a it's a really hard to describe mystery that's going on in that, but it's kind of dark. But the art's great. The writing is really good. Um, I my my to read list is shorter and shorter as, as far as the amount of new titles that come out, but. Um, I just went to a comic book show uh, yesterday and bought a bunch of silver, uh, silver age super boys that are older than I am. Nice. That I'll, they're reader copies. I, the, I, I am somewhat particular about grade or condition, but generally I, I like to read my comics. I, mm -hmm. I don't want to, I'm not one that will grade them, you know, as far as um, the encapsulation process and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Good so, for you. Good I'm, for you. Uh, currently binging through hellblazer i'm on volume 11 now hmm. on the kindle which is actually a pretty good app for comics so i i've read relatively little vertigo i i loved 100 bullets 
I tried reading Sandman in college, just like I tried so many other things in college and didn't get into it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I, I actually picked up the trade to read it when the, the show came out on Netflix. And I'm like, yeah, it's still a slog. <laughs> I, I get the appeal, but it's a slog. Yeah. Um, I, is, I didn't read it as a college, but I read it a few years ago, and I think that helped being yeah, substantially older reading through it. Yeah, I remember kind of a similar experience. Is there anything you want to plug that's coming out from uh, round two coming up? I know they always seem to have a lot of uh, a lot of items. I'm looking on the website. They got some of the new tooling. Uh, some very nice things, both old, old and new. Yeah, so you, you talked a minute about uh, go or uh, it was uh, Jeff that mentioned that uh, by the time you're finished with a project, you're re- ready and willing to move on to the next one. So anything that is like due out today, I have no idea what's coming because I'm <laughs> four or five months ahead of it, <laughs> and I, I and what I have to get done has got to get done right away. So. Uh, I know uh, everyone's excited about the Razor Crest uh, coming out, which mm-hmm. will literally be out any day. It's on the water, and I'm not sure if it's in the U.S. or not yet or not, but it will be very shortly. Very proud of that kit. Uh, we've got uh, we've got kits coming out towards the end of the year or early next year. This the 14 inch Lab Pod. Um, Eagle with the spine booster. We've got the uh, Havoc Marauder shuttle from the Bad Batch, the Star Wars uh, oh, animated yeah. show. Yeah. That will season be season two right coming. Season two coming out soon. Yep. Uh, I I still want to. Well, this isn't necessarily on the schedule yet, but I I, I need to work on revising the Enterprise to uh, from Discovery to look like the version that. Uh, we see on screen in uh, Strange New Worlds, things like that. Um, the Cleon uh, Kronos 1, uh, the switch over from the the Katinga to the Kronos 1. Uh-huh. That's well underway. That's in tooling right now. The 30-second scale TIE Fighter, looking awesome. That's going to um, be that's gonna be a massive kit, just size-wise. And that looks yeah. like it's going to be really nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't wait to show that one off. Uh, that awesome. one will be out. Uh hopefully in second quarter next year. Okay. Very good. Well, I, I also noticed here, like even some newer subjects, like they've got AMT has got a 2021 jar Dodge charger RT and one twenty fifth scale. And, you know, you, you guys got the CAD files directly from Dodge and, you know, I won't be surprised if some people start doing some police aftermarket on this particular mm-hmm. vehicle, because it's a very attractive uh, car in its police scheme as well. Yeah. Um, so there's another good example and just, yeah, just some absolute amazing things. The other one I noticed here was the one-to-one, uh, space 1999, the com lock and the stun gun. Um, yeah, yeah so that's, that's going to be good. Um, and it says here, these models are engineered to allow easy access for custom lighting by advanced level modelers is going to be, uh, three versions of the stun gun because it changed during the series run as well as, uh, view screen and ID badge variant for the comlocks. So yeah, you know, some very cool things coming out. Um, so we're going to wrap, we're going to wrap, wrap, wrap this up pretty soon. We know you're a busy guy and it's, uh, you know, we, we're glad we were able, you were able to accommodate us. Uh, Jeff, do you have any last, last thoughts, questions? I was just wondering when you're going to come out with a, uh, 
an injection molded Martin Landau and Barbara <laughs> Bain just to go, you know. I, I know there's, a, there's an action figure company that's working on those. So Yeah, yeah, I won't be you surprised. Won't, you won't see them from us, but they're on their way. <laughs> I love it. Okay, uh, Terry? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> oh, no, this has been great. Thanks a lot, and thanks for the grissom. That's Terry's here. Terry's here. All my pleasure. It's uh, my my job is is literally one in a million, and I can't yeah. tell you how blessed I am to be able to work on this stuff every day. Well, and we and we really appreciate you and the rest of the team at Round Two doing it because definitely nostalgia is a big part, and uh, you're obviously doing very well. Like I say, we're definitely in the golden age of the hobby, so it's a good thing. So, again, once again, thank you, uh, thank you for joining us tonight, Jamie. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you next time. All right. A little bit of uh, what's on the bench next. So let's let's talk a little bit about what's on the bench. Um, so I will start. I haven't had a lot of time, but I did, I made some progress. Um, I've been uh, got the fuselage closed up on that 172nd Armor Hurricane. Uh, fit was pretty good. I had I had a little bit of issues with the um, both the seat and the back seat frame and the front instrument panel. I had to do just a little bit of sanding to get it in, uh, but that was good. Um, and then on the mech, the Tomahawk from Macross, the 172nd scale, got all the painting done, did a second coat of the green in my uh, very fine Sotar airbrush. Hadn't done that in a few years, so that was nice to get back into practice and just about to start breaking out the AK weathering pencils. Going to have some fun there. haven't used them in a while. And then also this thing's got a massive spotlight. I'm not quite sure why, because that'd be the first thing someone would shoot out, but I'm going to do a trick I've done before where I'm just, I'm doing it on a larger scale where I'm putting the Tamiya chrome silver as a base coat. And then I put the clear blue over top of that, which will nicely duplicate, I think, the spotlight. So we'll see what happens. When I get a few minutes, I'm going to start that hopefully maybe tomorrow. I'm supposedly on holiday, but real life is getting in the way. So we'll see what we'll see what happens. Okay, Jeff, how about you, sir? I know you've been a busy guy like in, 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 in the real world, but you've managed to find some time to build. A little bit, a little bit. I, like I said, I'm still plugging away on this um, Hobbycraft 132nd scale P51. And uh, it, it needed a lot. It needs a lot of work just to sort of bring it even marginally up to current standards. But mm -hmm. um, even though it's not that old, it's just it's it's big, and you kind of expect it to have a little more detail than it started with. So, working on that, I've chosen my paint scheme for it. Uh, uh, speaking about dazzle camouflage, I think I showed you guys this picture. I'll yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's been a popular one. I've seen it before. It's. Um, it's a, the first, the first, I think, an only attempt to apply dazzle camouflage to a to an aircraft, and um, at least uh, apart from the Felix Stowe, and uh -huh. it was not successful. It's the only, they only painted it once, did it once, and it's exactly the kit that I have. It's exactly the plane that I have. Everything. Perfect, so, perfect. All the way down to the photo recon. So that's kind of fun. Um, I did finally get around to um, posting some pictures of my progress on the Musaru Cup uh -huh. entry to uh to our Facebook page for the for the uh the podcast. I had yeah. I posted pictures to my to our local club, but I realized after I saw a couple of the other podcasters posting them to their their uh, Facebook pages that I should probably do the same. So I did and uh, great feedback, great uh, 
uh, engagement, which is nice to see from the people on the on the Facebook page. But I, I noticed today that Arma Hobbies itself uh, actually picked up the post and re- reposted it Excellent. on Excellent. See, see, uh, that'll get the other podcasters worried. They're worried now. They see the quality of your work. Well, <laughs> I, they did comment that all, all the best podcasters in the world are building their kit. So I, I said, well, uh, there must be some other ones out there other than me. That <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I do have the I do have the missing decals for you from yes, Dave Gurton. Uh, so we will we will make arrangements to get those up to you. Which is great, and as I said, uh, as we talked about a little bit earlier uh, off offline, I I managed to uh, win a uh, a fifty five year old wood lathe at, at an auction lately, and it needed a little bit of love, and so I've been working on that. And uh, now, now, can I, I interrupt for a second? You, you you need to tell Terry how much you got for, for the lathe and for the tools. Yes, well, for the lathe, it was uh, twenty five dollars, <laughs> and for. For a set of uh, the woodworking tools, which are mint condition, um, perfect, perfectly sharp, eight, uh, eight, eight of them, eight different uh, tools, uh, $25. And how much are the tools normally worth? $500. Yeah, yeah so he can't. So Terry, he can't complain about the fact that I got two Lancasters for thirty bucks. I'm just saying. I can still complain about that. Yeah, I, you can. I but... will complain about that. <laughs> I know. No, it was a, it was a good deal. We have a no. deal to do because we. I have I a B twenty four Liberator sitting here yes. looking at me. Yep, that's right. We're going to be doing that. We're going to be doing that. I, uh, I discovered my wife's grandfather. He was uh, killed in a B twenty four at an accident out in Gander, Newfoundland. We've been doing a lot of research on that, so that's going to be a fun tribute build to do. And the important yeah. thing is, Jeff, you still have all your fingers from the lathe. I do. I do. My son in law not as fortunate, but I. I'm fine. Oh dear. <laughs> I don't I think I want to know. I, I threw him in front of me, and he, he took the brunt of it. Oh dear! Oh dear! Well, okay, well, if that's the case, well, I, I bet you're not on your daughter on that particular daughter's Christmas card list anymore. Oh just no, saying. no, she's quite happy. She's quite happy. You know, it's sort of just desserts, whatever. Oh no, dear! Fine. I know. But okay. We had we had a good time. We just went out and I actually cut a tree down cut a slice out of it, stuck it on the lathe, and just played around with it. It was quite fun. And in the end, you have a toothpick. In the, in the end, I have an awful lot of wood chips. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> hey, that's good for starting the fire. That's all right. Okay, Terry, how about you? I've actually been getting a little bit of bench time in now that it's starting to cool down outside, and I'm not as active out there. But um, that really means uh, the P43 from Doorwings has got paint mm-hmm. on it. It's got awesome. uh, green on top. and a white ring around the cowl, so I, I'm getting ready to peel those masks off, and um, then get some gloss coat on there, and uh, and and uh, get moving along. Hopefully, get some uh, have that done before too long. And the mm-hmm. Halberd models P43, of course. That is looking great, Jeff. He's got play. it on the scope of that. That is looking yeah, really know. nice. That, that is, is gorgeous. Strangest, strangest looking planes, but it's really fascinating. It looks ever, it just looks like a hot rod. You know? It does. Yeah. It does. If you ever get a chance, check out some YouTube videos of the of the Reno Air Races where some of these play about oh, with. Yeah, it's amazing. The, uh, the Cavalier Mustangs. Yeah. Well, I those or the, that one or whatever. Mustang. Yeah. But yeah. it's just amazing what they do with these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's um, I'm happy with the the, the primer coat. So um, I, I did a little bit of updating in the cockpit. Mm hmm some 3d decals and stuff to try to turn it into something like late nineties, early two thousands era, something like that. What paint are you going to do? What paint are you going to do? It's a NASA chase plane. 
Nice. So that's why I updated all the interior bits. Um, I'll have to fabricate a radar pod for one side and a camera pod for the other side. That won't be too bad. Nah, that shouldn't be too tough. It's looking great, Terry. It's looking really good. And then start painting it white. Yes, (laughs) white's always the challenge. I know, that's right. I've got a secret formula. Excellent. Maybe you can share it with us once we go off air. Oh, I'm absolutely willing to share it. I use the AV white with about 10% of their wolf gray, which is a very light bluish gray. It's not really white. It covers better. Interesting. And it looks more white than white because it's slightly blue. Slightly off. Yeah, exactly. No, I've heard that before. That'll be good. That'll be your... that's your tip of the day, folks. Yep. Yeah, my favorite, my favorite white has become, uh, to me, a surface primer white. There cut, you go. It's cut, cut with uh, with unicorn tears and uh, just spraying it, and I love it. You know, I that's probably it. worth a try. Yeah. yeah. And I, I use, give it a rub. It's beautiful. It's I use the Vallejo, uh, not the Vallejo. I use the Aqueous. I'll take a bit of their regular white and just add a drop or two of their off white. And I find that that works again. Just I know I haven't done a lot, but I just played with it one day, um, and yeah, that worked well too. I'm sure there's all sorts of variations what what people use between that and yellow. I know at some point I've got a uh, I've got a V22 Osprey here, and I want to uh, I want to do it a Canadian Rescue scheme in the bright yellow uh, because our our good friends at Above and Below Graphics have a very nice decal scheme for a what if for that. Um, mm. So yeah. Yeah, we're looking forward to that as well. I've heard people undercoat with pink. I've heard that yellow. too. Yep. And pink, I want to try heard. that. Maybe I'll yep. just have to grab a paint mule and give it a try. Well, I'll be trying that on a paint mule before I commit it on this oh, absolutely. B22, definitely. All righty. So let's also move on to some some other awesomeness. This is namely our good friend Sean at Sean's Custom Model Tools. Now we're going to talk a bit about Sean's Custom Model Tools, one of our other sponsors of the Scale Model Podcast. Some very cool things, both 3D printed and the Goodman Super Sanding Blocks. Let's start with the Microset and Microsole Decal Set Bottle Stand. This is uh, purposely designed for the Microscale Set and Sole. Uh, most modelers over the years, they've tipped these bottles over. So uh, this is a very handy thing. At fourteen ninety-five, you can uh, put them both together. They're printed in blue and red for easy identification. Comes with a black base, and they actually have little magnets on it, so it helps keeps them in place. Definitely a good deal. I use mine all the time, and I can well recommend them. Let's talk a bit about those Goodman Model Super Sanding Blocks, namely the Value Pack Combo for $28.99. You get the 80 grit, 180 grit, 220, 320, 400, and 600. Uh, just an amazing set. Uh, just what you need. And you can also, uh, if you want, you can also get a, a sanding, super sanding block stand for it, which also uh, really makes life a little bit easier, helps, helps things keep it organized. The other thing, too, is they have, they have the awesome model tape dispenser for uh, your various tapes it's basically a 3d printed thing you put spools of your tapes got a little razor blade to help uh, cut it and it's a really really good design Uh, so yeah works out really well and yours for $19.95 so check out these and other amazing deals at seanscustommodeltools.com and uh, also on facebook and tell them that the scale model podcast sent you 
Okay, we're back. Uh, things we've seen. I just wanted to mention uh, we were just talking about uh, above and below graphics. Uh, they're going to be reselling. I believe the store is now open again. Uh, they're not doing a ton of custom stuff yet, but we're really excited that they're back, um, at least for Canadian orders. I know there were still running some issues, U.S. and international. But, yeah. you know, there's enough Canadian friends up here. I'm sure everyone knows some a friend in Canada. They could ship it to and then ship it bound. So we're really pleased to uh, hear about that. Yeah. Well, uh, he did. He, he did specifically say that if uh, if you're interested in, uh, uh, in and you're international or U.S. and you're interested in ordering, contact him directly through the website and uh, he'll, they'll figure something out. They'll figure something out. Yeah. No, we're really pleased. You know, it's amazing how popular their graphics are. Um, it was funny. I think either our last club meeting or the one below before Jeff, we had probably three or four kits on the table that had above and below graphics. I, yep. I remember yep. thinking about that at the time and I hadn't mentioned it up until now, but very popular they really, brand. They really are very good. Uh, they, yep. They're a good product. Yeah, very good. We can thoroughly recommend a good, a good friend of the show. Um, anything yep. else under things we've seen, gentlemen? I, I haven't. <laughs> That's fine. We've been busy. It's been busy. Yep. Life has been... Life has been busy and all that. Um, I do want to mention, though, in January, Mr. Goldfinch from uh, On the Bench in Australia. He's making another tour here, there, and everywhere, which includes Canada, because his very good wife, uh, Michelle, her sister lives in Toronto. And these crazy Australians love coming up in the middle of our winter. Um, so we are starting to kind of maybe get some ideas. We're probably going to get together in January at the Canadian War Plate Heritage Museum. Uh, do a show with do a show with Dave if the weather lasts. We're going to see. I have to talk to Alan about that, but there's always a standing invite there. Uh, and Dave loves the museum, so we will see. Stay tuned for more for more deep details there. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I said, don't forget, we've got the video of the uh, Moscato. Is it the drag, drag gun? The dragon. Yeah, the dragon. The just dragon. dragon. The F203. Yeah. He, he always names it a little different so he doesn't step on. Yeah. IP tools or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, Terry and you can see Mr. Anthony Goodwin as they go through this thing. Great video. A lot of details. And it shows you what sort of quality you get in a Moscato hobby kit. So. Definitely uh, check that out because you never know. Return to kit form may do a reissue of that one day. Well, he may redo it too. I know he didn't yep. get enough for the um, for for a second run, but you know he still got the, has those names. And if people want to get in on it, he'll yep. probably redo it. Yep, definitely check it out. Hopefully, that video that uh, you and Anthony did will uh, will will convince some people to open their wallets. So, all right. We're also sponsored by, speaking of, Return to Kitform. Check out uh, Brett and Chrissy at their web store. Anything Macross, particularly canopy masks, which work really, really well. Uh, we did mention the, uh, the brand new kit they're looking for pre-orders for, the Dean Fender Destroid. And, uh, you know, all your general non-North non American Moscato hobby products. Check them out as well. Uh, as always, yes, sir. What is happening in the background in, in at your? It looks like those kits are starting to breed. No, no, I just moved them around a bit. 
they, they look, it looks like there's more of them, Stuart. Um, well, all there is, there might be two extra. There's a Spitfire, as I mentioned. And of course, I went in and got glue. And uh, up somehow oh. the new tool, Matchbox 172nd Scale Tempest Mark V, jumped into my hands. It's oh, a new that, tool. That happens. I hate That's it when that happens, considering I'm that. saying I shouldn't be building 172nd anymore. But actually, I just released a YouTube video on my own channel, um, which I'll send a link to where I do an unboxing of. And I'm hoping to do some more unboxings. Now that I got this newer computer, it renders a bit quicker. So I'm hoping to do more unboxing of both old classic kits and, you know, new ones, just so people see what's inside of them. Quite often, you know, we see the box and that, but you never really get a chance to look what's inside. So... I'm hoping to kind of, you know, do, do a, a, a little bit more of that. I'm definitely going to include a couple of Lancasters. Um, I'm going to dedicate them to you, Jeff, of course. Oh, you just said you're, 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 you're doing this now just for fun. You're well, you know, exactly. someone's got to, right? You know, but no, I'm going to do a little bit of that. Uh, yeah, we'll just see what, what generally happens. Uh, like I said, winter's coming. Uh, we're having some, uh, you know, our local group. We're meeting in person again, our IPMS chapter. And I know a lot of places are. There's been some good turnouts to shows. Uh, so, yeah. So, speaking of other shows, uh, other podcasts, for more modeling podcast goodness, check out the other modeling podcasts at modelpodcast.com. And we just added another new one. Um, I had a... I had a recent uh, email, and it is a couple of younger guys, and they're mainly on YouTube right now. But they are trying to get, they are trying to get out there. Um, so they are. I think it's the Micro Machines podcast. I'm just, of course, now I'm trying to type and chew gum at the same time, and I'm failing miserably. Let's see here. You know, we're running out and in a terrible working on live live TV. Yeah, yeah, if it was TV, yeah, that'd be terrible. Yeah, live TV, live radio, a live whatever. Radio. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, it's uh, nope, it's uh, no, it's being silly on me right right now. But anyway, yeah, it's the Micro Machines podcast, and they talk about a whole variety of of, of different things. So it's definitely worth checking out. Let me just try with the other browser here. I was having issues earlier getting to our podcast from a particular browser. And I don't know why I was working with tech support, but another one works fine. So mm -hmm. I don't get it. But you know, hey, what do I know? Uh, let me find it here. Where is it? Where is it? Of course, now I can't find it. But anyway, yeah, it's the it's the micro machines podcast. Definitely check them out. Uh, well worth well worth looking at. Um, does anyone else have anything else before we uh, end this? Nope. All nope. Right. Nothing here. Probably probably wise at this point. The way I'm I'm messing it up. So it's past your bedtimes too. It is. Yeah, we're no just kidding. We just like like watching you how you suffer. I know. When you screw I know. That's all right. That's all right. I appreciate that, gentlemen. This is the joys of live radio. So, for episode 102 of the Scale Model Podcast, my name is Stuart Clark. My name is Jeff Hyland. And I'm Terry Measley, reminding you, reminding you to get some new old models. Uh, yeah. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? <laughs> Thank you, and be well. <laughs>